3: talking about my wild day going to the gym getting my hair cut never would have felt like such a rebel uh did you you asked a good question what was the gym actually like and i kind of gave an explanation any other thoughts i mean do you hear that in california and think man i hope by july 4th i can go get my hair cut again
6: yeah, and I also thought there's going to be a lot of hairstylists who are trying to fix a lot of do-it-yourself jobs, because I took the clippers to my own head Oh no! a couple of weeks ago, and I think a lot of us here. You
3: did a solo haircut?
6: Yeah, and on the West Coast, a lot of us leaned in when you were talking about your haircutting experience. You and uh, Big Ben on the same day creating news over haircuts. How
3: about the fact that the governor of Pennsylvania commented on Ben Roethlisberger's haircut? Basically, I'm a friend of Ben Roethlisberger. I've been cutting his hair forever. The store's not open. Uh, I gave him a haircut. Apologies. Didn't charge him for it. Uh, and, I mean, this is – if if I were living in the state of Pennsylvania and my governor was commenting on Ben Roethlisberger getting a haircut, I mean, a lot of these things that are going on right now should be WTF moments. That the governor is commenting on the quarterback getting a haircut. It's insane. And sometimes you just have to step back and think about this. Like California filling in the skate parks with with uh, with sand yeah. to keep kids from getting on their skateboards. I mean, what what are we doing? This is nonsensical on many different levels for anybody with a functional brain. And the fact that there are different rules for state lines, like in Tennessee... Bristol, Virginia sets. I think this is still true. There is, for people who aren't familiar, the city of Bristol. One side of the road is Tennessee; the other side of the road is Virginia. Right now, the the restaurants and uh, retail. I believe this is true. Somebody from Bristol can call in or tweet me, but this is what I was told. I haven't been there to see it for myself, but I was told that on the Tennessee side of the street, things are open. And on the Virginia side of the street, things are closed. Does that make any sense at all to anybody with a functional brain? Here's the other thing. The numbers are declining in the states that are open. In other words, everybody in the media was like, oh, if Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and Texas, if they open up, everybody's going to die in those states and the hospitals are going to be overrun, everything. No, people have gotten smarter about the way that they social distance and spread or don't spread germs. And using my gym as a good example, ordinarily we might have had 20 people in that class. Now we've got 13. And by the way, nobody's talking about the overall massive amounts of weight that people are putting on because they can't go to the gym and because they're stuck in their house and they're not even allowed to go for uh, walks for lots of periods of time. Uh, Now, thank God, they're starting to open up the outdoors because, oh, by the way, the data has reflected that almost nobody gets sick from outdoors. I was talking with a buddy the other day, and they're like, hey, when's the last time you heard somebody say, I went to the beach and I got the flu? Like, you might get sunburned. You should put on sunscreen. But when's the last time he's like, man... You know what I did over the weekend? I spent Friday and Saturday laying out at the beach, and I was I, I I was so sick on Monday from the flu that I got from being outdoors at the beach. Like these things don't make sense. You know what I did? I went for a hike in the mountains uh, on a public trail, and you know what happened to me? I got strep throat. No, like the safest thing you can do is be out and about exercising outside of your house. Like they, even these shutting down playgrounds, you got kids cooped up in their houses all day and they can't go play on the freaking jungle gym. I mean, I'm about to curse here because it's so stupid. I mean, there's no like the data in all respects. Like, we're starting to see, I think, a lot of reasonable and intelligent people looking at the data saying, wait a minute, I can't go to the beach, I can't go on this hiking trail. I can't take my kids to go play on a playground in the summer? I mean, none of this makes sense. Every state should be, in my opinion, maybe with the exception of New York and the New York City area where the outbreak was, but people in, in, in upstate New York, western New York, they all want to be open because nothing ever happened there. With the exception of New York City and its bedroom communities, every place should be open at this point based on the data period so this is just this is just lunacy it's about people trying to in political power demonstrate their power more than it's about the data at this point in time people should be back at work we should be talking about schools opening up now if you want to talk about schools opening up in an intelligent fashion like it makes more sense what i heard Notre Dame doing kids should be back in school sooner rather than later if, if you asked me, if you said, hey, Clay, what do you think in terms of kids going back to school? They should go back to school. I got a 12, a 9, and a 5-year-old. I love them more than anything in the world. They need to be back in school come August. But it might make sense to start school earlier. It might make sense to start school in the very first week of August or like August 10th like Notre Dame is doing so you can finish uh, school by Thanksgiving and then have a huge winter break, I think it could make sense. you got to be flexible and you got to be intelligent here. Look at the data. I think it could make sense to have a huge winter break and then bring kids back like March 1. So instead of, uh, in, you know, you take off December, January, February, come back in like March 1 and go through July. If you're worried about the outbreak of flu and cold season and the coronavirus coming back, that's something that could make sense. We basically have, because everybody goes home for Thanksgiving, go home for Christmas, things like that. Um, I think all of those things are are at least worth contemplating. Um, but this idea that that you got to stay cooped up and you can't go to the frigging playground, then you're going to be concerned if Ben Roethlisberger gets a haircut. I mean, did you get into politics so you could complain about quarterbacks getting haircuts? But we just need a scintilla of intelligence out there and I see some of these governors and mayors and what they're saying. And I'm like, my God, you're idiots. I actually had a conversation with this about my wife. I said, look, I feel like I should be going and getting elected governor somewhere because all of the stupidity is, is making my brain hurt. And I'm like, well, I got to make a lot of money first. I'm not filthy rich. I got to get filthy rich. But it, it's like, I, I feel like there are so many awful leaders right now. Who aren't looking at the data? That I, I just it, it, makes it makes my head hurt when I when I read like headlines. The governor of Pennsylvania, the freaking governor of Pennsylvania. Do we have audio of him complaining about Ben Roethlisberger's haircut? I mean, I was like, what world are we in when the governor of Pennsylvania is is weighing in on Ben Roethlisberger getting a haircut? And how could you ever show up and vote? Like you don't even—I don't even know, need to know a single thing about anything else that the governor of Pennsylvania stands for. I don't even know what party he is. I would not vote for this numbskull for the rest of my life just based on the fact that in the middle of this situation, he's weighing in on whether Ben Roethlisberger got, should get a haircut or not. Of all the things that the governor can be concerned about, he's. Uh, he's 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 ridiculing and ripping Ben Roethlisberger for getting his hair cut. So freaking stupid. And by the way, you probably should just go ahead and open up Pennsylvania, you idiot. So yeah, I'm on one. Because I went out and got a haircut, and I think I'm going to survive. I went out and went to the gym, and I think I'm going to survive. And we need to be con- encouraging people to get more exercise. You know one of the major factors for having significant issues with coronavirus that the data shows being fat. Obesity kills way more people every year than the coronavirus and if you ever have the gall to point out that somebody's fat it's like oh you're fat shaming. We got people out there shaming people for cl- for taking their kids to play on uh to play on jungle gyms and if you say anything about somebody being fat it's like oh it's body positivity. Now how about you lose some weight you'll be healthier. Go to the gym. I can't believe that's controversial to say. Don't smoke. Lose some weight. Go to the gym. Do some push-ups and sit-ups. Get out and about. Go for a jog. Go for a hike. Take your kids out. Side the house. Lose some weight, fat ass. And people are like, oh my God, Clay Travis is body shaming. You shouldn't try to lose weight if you're fat. That's 100% fact. We got people running around with their iPhones taking secret photographs if more than four people are standing in close proximity to each other in a neighborhood. There's people snapping photos and turning it into mayors and, and and police if kids are playing on playgrounds. And if you say, oh, maybe people should lose some weight, we're like, oh my God, Clay Travis said fat people should lose some weight and they'd be healthier. Yeah you see all the controversy? Adele lost a bunch of weight and people were like, oh, I don't know if this is good for Adele to lose weight. It's always a good idea to lose weight. You'll be healthier. Think about it. Right now, there are large segments of the population that will secretly take a photo of a kid playing on a playground and turn it into authorities to try to stop it from happening And if you simultaneously, if they're hearing me right now, say fat people need to lose weight, they're like, oh, my God, can you believe Clay Travis? We've normalized, like, everybody turning into the CIA and the FBI to take pictures of kids playing on playgrounds and for governors to be weighing in on quarterbacks getting haircuts. But if you say, hey, we need people to exercise more and lose weight, it's like, oh, my God, how dare you mention that a fat person is fat? And that it would be better if they weren't fat. When everybody knows that's true! I just feel like we live in an upside-down world right now where logic and common sense and just looking at basic data is frowned upon somehow. And doing things that make no sense from the bushes sneaking around to take a picture of a family taking their kids to a playground and turning it in so they put up rope and 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 try to keep whatever that caution tape is like it's a damn murder scene see pictures from all over the country it's like a murder scene on a playground ah, does that make sense we're paying people to walk around to put caution tape around a playground i think we have this idiot governor we got governors weighing in on haircuts we have audio of this what's his name What's the name of this uh, idiot governor in Pennsylvania? Tom Wolf. Tom, is he a Democrat or Republican?
6: Uh, doesn't say. Where he's I'm...
3: an idiot. Whether he's a D or an R, here's Tom Wolf deciding to get uh, to get involved with Ben Roethlisberger's haircut.
7: This is for you, Governor from Pittsburgh Post Gazette. What did you think about Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger getting his hair and beard cut recently at an Allegheny County barbershop? Will the barbershop face <clears throat> disciplinary action? Is the state investigating?
8: Yeah, right here for
7: a second.
3: I also think that everybody who works at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette should look in the mirror and be like, "Did I go get a degree in journalism so that I could show up at a governor's press conference and ask whether police will be investigating Ben Roethlisberger for getting a haircut and getting his beard trimmed?" Can we start that over again? Imagine that you went to journalism school. You are like so many of these media people are idiots too. I don't want to just put the governor on blast by himself here because the media in conjunction with many of the politicians, they all feed off of each other. You went to journalism school so that you could show up at a press conference and ask whether the state will be investigating Ben Roethlisberger for getting his beard trimmed listen to this idiot reporter this is like she's reading it this is not like some spur of the moment question she went to the press conference she's like my god I've got to get the governor on record about Ben Roethlisberger getting his beard trimmed look in the mirror you imbecile here's what it sounded like this question this this is real this is the question
7: from Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. What did you think about Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger getting his hair and beard cut recently at an Allegheny County barbershop? Will the barbershop face <coughs> disciplinary action? Is the state investigating?
2: The state investigating!
9: Yeah, my, my concern is just a general concern. Uh, anybody who puts himself or herself into harm's way uh, uh, is is something that I, I think we ought to try to avoid. And when you go to uh, something like a barber shop and and you're not protected, I don't stop! Care who you are.
3: I can't hear the stupidity anymore.
9: I went to a barbershop
3: shop yesterday. I'm going to survive and I'm going to live. It doesn't make any sense for me to be able like Danny G. You can drive to uh, Las Vegas starting June one and go to a casino. Yes which is awesome. Props to Vegas for opening back up. But you can't go to a playground and skate park in L.A.? This is nonsensical.
1: This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
2: people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do it yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at oreillyauto.com/2pros. That's oreillyauto.com/2pros.
5: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write.
3: Went to the gym, got a haircut yesterday. Yes, I did. Uh, Loved both, by the way. Um, And uh, as I went to the gym, I was kind of fascinated. Last night, as I got ready for bed, saw that uh, the 24-7 sports site for the Ohio State Buckeyes, Bucknuts, reported that Ohio State football players are going to be coming back to campus on June 8th. And uh, the universities uh, in the SEC are having meetings on thursday and friday i believe of this week to vote on when kids can come back to campus there because the prohibition on campuses being open uh for students as student athletes ends on may the 31st so uh the policies i would anticipate in many schools are going to allow kids to be back on campus starting june 1 and my argument which is a logical argument is that if you are in a state where public gyms are now open, as many people are, and uh, as everyone, for instance, in the SEC and Big 12, I believe will be by June 1st, why would you not then allow your kids to go work out on campus? And what I mean by that is, hey, if you can go to the gym in the state of Texas, why shouldn't you be able to go to Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Any of the universities in Texas if you're a student athlete to work out if you can go to the gyms in Florida Georgia Tennessee why shouldn't you also be able to go to the state institutions in those states if you're an athlete and work out as well provided your university wants you to come now a university could decide they don't want kids to come but if I'm a coach and I'm finding out that my that my uh, kids are going to work out in gyms around the country I'd rather have them working out in my gym with my strength coaches, with my nutritionists, and with my health abilities. They're safer on campus than they are going to a random public gym. So uh, this to me is a, is a no-brainer. And uh, it's continued uh, to, uh, to point out, I think, many of the absurdities that currently exist with the shutdown or orders that are still out there. Uh, in particular, Uh, You look at, uh, for instance, the uh, the data that is coming out of states that are open, the cases are not increasing. So why are states closed when Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, all these states that have been open for weeks now are seeing a continued decline in cases in their states. And all of the media that told you, oh my God, everybody's going to die in those states has been proven so far wrong. Uh, Based on people going out and about. Um, And so we've ended up in this ridiculous situation where when Ben Roethlisberger gets a haircut, people decide that they need to cover it like it's legitimate news. Can we play that stupid question? This is a real question at the governor of Pennsylvania's press conference. When, by the way, people say, well, when the governor gets asked this question, how should he respond? To me, the answer is the governor of the state should not be investigating individuals for getting haircuts. That's the answer, right? By the way, if I'm the governor, first of all, I wouldn't have stupid policies in place like this idiot governor from Pennsylvania, but if I did and I got asked about whether or not I was planning on using the state investigative teams to investigate Ben Roethlisberger's haircut, I would say, no, I'm not. Next question. (laughs) But listen to this question. Imagine going to school to be a journalist and you're like oh am i i've got such an important job i'm a journalist you know journalists like to think oh we've got they've got the most important job in the world even though 95% of them don't write stories that really matter that much at all let's be honest the vast majority of journalists are showing up and asking questions like this not out there winning pulitzer prizes for in huge investigative journalism this is not a good look for the governor of pennsylvania or for this quote-unquote journalist who decides that she is going to investigate and make sure that the state knows that Ben Roethlisberger got a haircut. Listen to this.
7: This is for you, Governor, from Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. What did you think about Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger getting his hair and beard cut recently at an Allegheny County barbershop? Will the barbershop face disciplinary action? Is the state investigating?
3: Just stop. I don't even need to hear the answer. That's real life. If you live in Pittsburgh, I don't know how you buy that newspaper. At some point, you have to start voting with your dollars. It's one thing to ask questions that are funny and are, you know, like I I shared and I thought it was funny when Donald Trump got asked in the White House press briefing, would he consider giving a pardon to Joe Exotic, right? That's lighthearted. That's funny. It's not being a part of cancel culture it's not being the person sitting in the in the in the freaking bushes taking secret photographs of kids getting pushed on playgrounds there's a big difference between questions that can be lighthearted and engaging and maybe you like to read it and asking if a barber is going to be investigated by the state of Pennsylvania for cutting the quarterback's hair i mean come on just absolutely come on although i will say this Seems like a lot of politicians' hairs have managed to stay pretty short. A lot of politicians in states. I don't know, but Newsom's got some decent hair. Doesn't seem like his hair has grown very much during this uh, during this multi-month period when you can't go get a haircut. Danny G, does Newsom's hair look like it to you it's grown a lot?
6: Yeah, there's been comments underneath uh, his press conferences where
3: a lot of people have commented on that. Seems like his hair's been the same length for several months now.
6: There's a lot of jokes under Tom Wolfe's press conference, too, because if you in case you don't know, he doesn't have hair. Uh, so <laughs> he's a lucky <laughs> like, guy. Yeah. Easy the for this guy man. to talk about the barbershop.
3: No, I have no idea what the idiot governor of Pennsylvania looks like or with that idiot reporter who was asking questions about Ben Roethlisberger getting hair.
6: This is the same way that we've had to deal with certain media members scolding everybody about going outside and this and that. And they're still getting their paychecks oh, sitting yeah. behind their keyboards safely.
3: Yeah, this is the ultimate hypocrisy is the number of people who are able to work from home that suddenly don't have to go into the office and they still have their paycheck coming and they're lecturing everybody to stay home. Yeah, it's easy to lecture people to stay home when your paycheck is coming and as a result, you can splay down on the couch and watch Netflix at noon and nobody knows. Yeah, that's an easy thing. But if you're in the service industry if you work in a bar or restaurant like a huge like million tens of millions of people do across this country and you have an obligation to be able to be out and about where people are working this idea it's like people want to say oh i'm so empathetic i care so much about uh about death and you know like i I, nobody should ever die again it's like suddenly people on social media realize death occurs when you actually look at the data um this is this is really kind of crazy. We have only made health defined by the coronavirus, and we have overlooked everything else, which is absolutely insane. And like I saw this stat that I thought that almost gets no attention. Um, but think about all the people out there who are in uh, who are drug or alcohol addicts. And a big part of their recovery is being able to go to meetings. I saw this story come out uh, from the city of Memphis, uh, from Shelby County. More people in Memphis have died of drug overdoses since the coronavirus uh, lockdown began than have died of the coronavirus. And drug overdoses have surged in the city since the stay-at-home order began. If you are an addict... A lot of people who are dealing with stress, depression, who are losing their jobs, they turn to drugs and alcohol more, and they don't have the usual support structure of church or their or their uh, or their support groups or their family uh, of different ages, especially if you have elderly parents, let's say. And when I saw that data point, I'm like, I'm not surprised that. More people are dying from drug overdoses because of the shutdown. That makes sense to me. And also, many cities and states have almost no issue with the coronavirus right now. Uh, I saw this in Kansas City, more people have died from homicide in Kansas City than have died from the coronavirus. Yet, those homicides get almost no attention, those drug overdoses get almost no attention. Because it's as if we've suddenly realized uh, or, or stopped realizing that other more uh, damaging issues are going on in the country on a day-to-day basis. 1,400 people, according to the corona, the COVID project, a website that I send the links out to, died yesterday from the coronavirus. That's awful. I wish people were not dying, right? I mean, opposed to death in general i wish my grandparents had lived forever i wish i was immortal i'd like to live forever probably not going to manage it probably going to die like every other person who's ever been born in the history of mankind but there are 7,500 people who die every day in this country 1400 of them died of the coronavirus and died of in quotation marks because a lot of the people who are dying of the coronavirus are dying of comorbidities that is, they would die otherwise, even if the coronavirus didn't exist. But it's like the other 6,000 plus people who died yesterday, nobody cares about. The 1,400 of the f- died of the coronavirus, everybody's up in arms on social media. Oh my God, we can't go outside. What about the other 6,000 people? What about all the people who are dying of heart disease or cancer, which are far more prevalent killers than the coronavirus? and have mostly been overlooked, I asked the question, and I think it's a good, smart public policy question that should be talked about. If we were going to spend trillions of dollars to combat a disease, which we have done to combat the the coronavirus, is the coronavirus even top five on where we would make the decision to spend trillions of dollars if we were trying to limit death? 650,000 people die every year of heart disease. 600,000 people die every year of cancer. Now you can say, well, those aren't contagious, but they're far more deadly. Could we have saved far more lives if we put trillions of dollars into cancer research? Could we have saved far more lives if we put trillions of dollars into combating heart disease? Those are diseases that every year are going to kill 600,000 people as far into the future as you can see. The coronavirus, I don't know what the total number of people it's going to kill, but it's going to be a lot less than that. And it's eventually going to disappear like all viruses disappear, either because we get a vaccine or because we get herd immunity, and it just moves on into the distance. And so one of the things that bothers me about our response has been how unintelligent in many ways it is And I think that's driven to a large degree by Karens on social media who were complaining about people being on playgrounds, getting pushed by their mom and their dads, taking secret photos of it, asking questions like that idiot reporter at the Pittsburgh Post Gazette about Ben Roethlisberger getting haircuts. It's insanity. We got a lot of people who want to weigh in, 877-996-6369. Dub, you can start popping them up.
9: All right, we got Duran in LA.
3: What's up, my man?
10: First of all, appreciate your take on just this whole COVID thing. The reaction is insane, and I agree with you about the college campuses. They should be open, and also you shouldn't be forced to wear a mask or be six feet apart. It's way too much confusion.
3: Yeah, thanks for the call. Uh, look, I mean, I think that uh, that college campuses opening is a no brainer. And when all these gyms are opening up, I want—if I'm a coach i want my college athletes back on campus so that we can monitor them so i got a health and conditioning uh, program that they're in so that we're feeding them healthy food so that we're able to monitor them much more carefully from a health perspective and if you're concerned about the spread of the virus getting college kids outside of the home where they might be living with elderly parents or grandparents uh, who are under uh, danger because of their health conditions makes a ton of sense it's just it's to me it's a no-brainer the healthy choice is to open campuses back up and have college kids back there uh, particularly athletes and certainly come the fall or the late summer as may be the case at schools like Notre Dame and South Carolina I think it makes sense for schools to open sooner rather than later Dub keep punching them up who we got
9: uh, we got Jose in Fremont Jose what's up
4: what's up fellas Hey, I man, I love how you just tell the truth and keep it real bro I love the show uh, I live in Mountain House California, but actually, and uh we have a community where this has been going on they, they have this facebook i call it mountain House facebook groupies groupies because this is what they do they 've posting on our uh some kids playing at the basketball courts, and it's just all they do is just policing the community it 's crazy another thing I'm imagine the music, I'm being
3: I'm... imagine Jose being a grown person who is angry that kids are showing up at the basketball court and playing basketball outside
4: i don't even fathom how somebody can just sit there and police people it's like this is why i was born and raised in, in california and this is just the regular people this is not even, even talking about the government how they're trying to police us out in california There's the reason why i'm ready to leave california with my family another yeah. thing the gavin newsom thing man that guy does look like he's getting a haircut and being well maintained so i don't know what's up with that And then, he bro, we got people out here, my wife, including, that have been off work since this started. My wife's going on two months and hasn't heard a word back from EDD. But the EDD people are telling people, hey, don't worry, you're going to get your money. It's easy to say that when you're working as an EDD operator, but people aren't receiving anything yet.
3: Did we lose them there? I I agree. I mean, there are 36 million people tomorrow. It may well go over 40 million people that have lost their jobs. That's one in every five people. The government can't pay pay people not to work forever. Eventually, that money is going to run out. And we're going to have major, major issues because we voluntarily created the Great Depression To try to avoid one of the Stanford professors, in his analogy, said, We're basically like an elephant that got scared of a mouse and ran off the side of a cliff. We allowed the mouse to destroy our economy. Our response to this has been more dangerous than the virus itself. Who's up next?
9: We got Kevin in Los Angeles.
3: Kevin, what's up?
4: Yo, Clay, I'm so stoked that you went and got a haircut. You got me so pumped up about that. Yo. Man, so um, I actually own a hairstylist app on the App Store, Hairstyle Glam, and Google Play Store. So anytime you want a haircut, you're doing, out, you know, you're doing lock it in in L.A., I got you hooked up. My, my barber jail on the barber will hook you up. you don't have to pay a dime. So any of the outfit guys, it's on me. So I appreciate that, man. Big band, too get your
10: haircut
4: on on Glam. <laughs> so I mean, I've been an outkick fan, you know, since day one. So you show me love, I'm showing you love. You never have to pay for another haircut in LA or Florida ever again. Uh, Just I'm, download that hairstyle glam app, but I got you hooked up brother.
3: Thanks for the call. I appreciate the, uh, the, the dropping the business on the air, but I, I, I love now that I'm going to become the patron saint of hair haircut guys cause, and girls who were out there like, thank you, just let me make the choice to go cut somebody's hair. Well, I don't need the governor weighing in on my fact that I decided to give somebody a little bit of a haircut. Give them a trim. Didn't you say you were getting a bootleg uh, haircut, Eddie?
9: Two o'clock tomorrow.
3: Two o'clock. Well, excuse in the, in the me, garbage? today.
9: Two o'clock today.
3: Two o'clock today. Do you feel like you're uh, like you're buying illicit drugs when the haircut person shows up?
9: I, I just well first I'm wondering if I should wear a disguise, and it, it, I'm worried about the mayor or the governor finding out now at this. point. I mean,
3: if Newsom is up and he's listening right now, or his staff is out there, I mean, they might they might send some uh, some some jackbooted uh, security to uh, to the Fox Sports Radio studios to arrest you for getting a haircut. I mean, think about that's what we're at, well, that's what we're happening right now. It's like you're buying heroin. When the when the hairstyle shows up at your house, you gotta you gotta make sure if you're doing a private private haircut that you can uh, that you you can sneak them in.
9: I'm gonna have to wear a hat so they don't see the before and after.
3: You need to get like remember uh, Bobby Valentine back in the day when <laughs> yeah. he wore the disguise in the dugout, yes.
9: fake you're, mustache and glasses.
3: Yeah, yeah. You need to get the fake mustache and the glasses too. Uh, who's up next,
9: Dub? Uh, we got Walking Willie in New Orleans.
3: Walking Willie, my man. You're gonna turn 80 soon. You ever seen anything like this? You can't even get a haircut? Can you get a haircut in New Orleans now? Oh,
10: yes, you can. But uh, one thing about the haircut, I'm bald.
3: So you're safe? Made. What are oh, you doing? Yes, walking will you're about to be 80. Hey, how, not- how, what's your thoughts on uh, all these restrictions? I mean, because you're, you're an older guy. You're in more danger for the coronavirus in theory than you know some 15-year-old out there. How are you changing your life, if at all?
10: I'm not changing. I take casserole. I'm old.
3: Yeah. You know, so
10: casserole is the deal. But I just want to thank you for that dog or them cheerleaders. I know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm going to wear my kick-to-cover T-shirt. I'm going to have a good time. And I just want to let you know I love your show. It's 6 o'clock in the morning down here. Yeah. I get up and I will listen to you. So, You just have a good day, and that doggone uh, governor up in Pennsylvania, he must be don't know about that place called Keystone, Pennsylvania. They can't even drink up there. But but I'm going to let you go because uh, I know you got some old listeners right there, and just have a a good time and tell everybody to get a haircut. They'll be on TV the next day. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Mr. Clay.
3: Willie's right. You get a haircut, you're going to be on TV the next day. It's important. I love Willie. Going to be 80 years old. A lot of people out there around Willie's age uh, are, are I think, starting to rebel because when you're telling older people, hey, you're going to be staying in your house forever, at what point do, you know, th- let me kind of think about this on a larger scale. I'll, I'll use my my mom as an example. And I said this last week, I think, but she's 75. have six grandkids. Uh, my kids are 12, 9, and 5. I've got twin nephews who are just turned 10. And then I've got, I think she's 7. Uh, I've got a 7-year-old niece. So my, my mom and dad have 6 grandkids between the ages of 12 and 5. That's a really fun age. That's a lot of excitement. It's a, every family gathering is hectic. A lot of 75-year-olds out there, fortunate enough to be in the same position. You got a lot of grandkids, everything else. If you're being told for years that you have to wait for a vaccine before you can hug your grandkids again, which is what some people would say out there, you may not have years to live. Is that a choice that you really want to make? that you're going to isolate yourself from everybody else in the world for what might be the final six months or year that you have to live if you look at a mortality table? That's one of the challenges that I think younger people like me have when you're dealing with your parents. Is it really my responsibility to tell my parents that they can't be around my grandkids? I mean, I I think that's a really difficult conversation it's something that can make sense for a month, but when you're talking about moving into new calendar years where you're telling people who are senior citizens you have to stay away from your grandkids, is that a choice, really, that we should be making for them? I think it's a really difficult and interesting question. Anybody else waiting, Dub?
7: Yeah, we got a couple more. We can let's get through get, quickly. We got yeah, Jay go fast. California.
3: Fire away.
4: Hey, Clay. You are a voice of reason, um this is nutty in California. Uh, I play in the National Adult Baseball Association down in San Diego. you know it's a huge adult baseball league, and we play on high school fields, so we're at the mercy of uh you know the schools San being Diego. open yeah yeah, so so hopefully we can get playing back in June, but we've been you know we've been shut down and We're just going nuts. This is cuckoo, Clay.
3: Yeah, it is. I mean, I saw where LA saying, hey, hopefully people can have some freedoms by July 4th. And I'm like, July 4th? I mean, we went into the shutdown in March with the idea that we weren't going to overload hospitals. And no hospital, we talked to Dr. Chow every week, no hospital in anywhere in California has come close to overloading. In fact, they're closer to bankruptcy. Because nobody's going because they shut down elective surgeries. And everybody's terrified. Even if you have heart pain, you're terrified to go to the hospital because you're about to have a heart attack and die. And you're worried about getting the coronavirus, which is unlikely to kill you. Reminds me of the Civil War. People uh, guys getting shot at in terms of how you make decisions that sometimes aren't logical. You had guys getting shot at in the Civil War. You know, they walked around with uh, the, all the regiments closely packed together. And when they walked over a hornet's nest, they would walk right into the fire if people were shooting bullets at them. But when the hornets started stinging them, their their regiment broke down and they had no discipline. So they were willing to walk right into the face of a cannon, literally, and get blown up. But as soon as they started getting stung, they weren't willing to do it. We got people dying of heart attacks, afraid of uh, getting the coronavirus. It's crazy. Last call uh, before we go to break, and then we're going to talk to Dan Wetzel.
1: Steve in Reno.
3: Reno, what's up, my man, Steve? Hey, how are you doing? Um, Excellent. I just want to give you a term for what's going on. These politicians,
10: and I'm going to let you use this term, they're called COVIDiots.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I just want to thank you for being very pragmatic, and I enjoy listening to you, and I'll
10: let
1: you go.
3: I appreciate that. Look, I get so much positive feedback now. And I appreciate all of you as our audience has continued to explode because I think there's a lot of people out there just craving reasonableness in the world of sports and beyond. Uh, I appreciate all of that. You know, uh, there's also a lot of people who I would say are covid idiots that are, uh that are losing their mind when I say things like, hey, it's okay for kids to be on a playground. Hey, it's okay for Ben Roethlisberger to get a haircut. Who do you think is going to look better in two years? The guy who was like, hey, I think it's probably okay to get a haircut. I think it's probably okay for six-year-olds to be on the playground getting pushed by their mom and dad. Or the Karen's running around right now asking questions about whether there's going to be an investigation into a haircut and putting all the police tape up around playgrounds like it's a murder scene. Who do you think is going to look smarter? I'm pretty confident with uh, how I will look both today and in the future. People have lost their minds. I'm not one of them. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Fallout from the Last Dance documentary, which aired uh, the final two episodes on Sunday uh, surrounding Michael Jordan and the 1990s Bulls. There's was an overall positive portrayal of Michael Jordan, not surprising because he had the ability to decide what went in and did not go in to that documentary. I still think the strangest thing about the documentary Uh, Was that the Jordan kids were not featured hardly at all? They had like 30 seconds asking them about whether or not uh, they had gone to Utah to watch the Jazz play. Nothing at all else about uh, their relationship with their dad, about what growing up a Jordan was like. It's really strange, I thought, the way they were basically excluded from the documentary. But Horace Grant obviously was a part of that first Bulls uh, three-peat. And uh, then he left and he was at Orlando and he was with the Magic when they beat the Bulls when Jordan tried to come back. And uh, Horace Grant, a lot of things were not necessarily said that were that great about him. Honestly, I didn't think that there was that much negative said about Horace Grant other than the fact that they thought that he was the source for the Jordan Rules book uh, that came out. Well, Horace Grant, not happy with his portrayal. He fired back. Here's some audio from Horace talking about uh, Michael Jordan and uh, the documentary.
2: Michael says, oh yeah, Horace was the leak. He's the one that went to Sam Smith and gave him all that stuff for the Jordan rules. The floor is yours. How do you respond to that?
8: As I I stated to everybody, that is a, a downright, outright, completely lie. Lie, lie, lie. And as I stated, if MJ had a grudge with me, let's settle it like, man, let's talk about it, or we can settle, settle it another way. But yet and still, he goes out and put this lie out that I was the source behind. I would never put anything personal. out When that so-called documentary is, is about one person, basically, and he has the last word on what's going to be put out there, it's not a documentary. It's his narrative of what happened in the last quote-unquote dance that's not a documentary because a whole bunch of things was cut out edited out that's why i call it a so-called documentary he said i was a snitch but yet and still after 30 or 35 years he brings up his rookie year going into uh, one of his teammates room and seeing coke and weed and women my point is why in the hell did he want to bring that up what's that got to do with anything if you want to call somebody a snitch that's a damn snitch right there 90 percent of it was i don't know if i can say it on air but bs in terms of um the realness of it as i stated the other day that it wasn't real because a lot of things that he said to uh some of his teammates his teammates went back at it but all of that was kind of edited out of the documentary, if you want to call it a documentary. It's only a grudge, man. I'm telling you, it was only a grudge. And I think he proved that during this so-called documentary, when if you say something about him, he's going to cut you off. He's going to try to destroy your character. Todd Barkley, they've been friends for over 20, 30 years, and he said something about Michael's um, management with the Charlotte Bobcats or the Charlotte Hornets. And then they haven't spoken since then.
3: Uh, I, I think all that's fair. From Horace Grant. this And I said this. There's a difference between a documentary and an autobiography. And this threaded the difference between the two and melded elements of both. What I mean by that is a documentary is not given, the subject is not given the ability to have a say in what the documentary says about them. Jordan controlled the footage and a couple of his best friends got, got executive producer credits on this documentary, is my understanding. So that's understood. The reason why Jordan was willing to cooperate with the documentary was because he knew how he was going to come off and it was going to be favorable, which is why this was as much of an autobiography as it was a documentary. Now, there are lots of people out there if you pay attention to the way that the data works, every time somebody writes an autobiography, whether they are the President of the United States or former President of the United States, or they are, uh, let's say, um, you know just an athlete, there's always people who don't think that the story is being told accurately because their perspective is not being featured as much as the person telling the story. So I'm sure from Horace Grant's perspective, I didn't think Horace Grant came off that badly in the documentary in the first place. And that's one of the big takeaways in general is people always think that they are coming off worse than they are because they get all wrapped up in their feelings. I didn't think Horace Grant came off that bad in this documentary. I thought of everybody who was in the documentary, Scottie Pippen came off looking the worse. And frankly, I think that's because Scottie Pippen Made a couple of decisions that uh, that were questionable. I think, uh, you know, the decision to not go back into the game, I mean, we know that was controversial already. Uh, the decision to have surgery on his foot over his contract and sit out the first part of the final championship season, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised that they came in controversial. Like, this is not a documentary about Dennis Rodman, but I left the documentary liking Dennis Rodman more I didn't dislike Phil Jackson at all based on the way this documentary was portrayed. If I'm Jerry Krause, if I was alive, I wouldn't be happy with the way this documentary was portrayed either. But in general, you have to go into the documentary and know what's coming. I mean, there's probably a reason why Carl Malone and Brian Russell chose not to sit for interviews. They knew that whatever they said was going to be used in some way to make Michael Jordan look better. Isaiah Thomas came off looking worse. I don't think there's any doubt. But he agreed to cooperate with the documentary. To his credit, Charles Barkley agreed to cooperate even though uh, Barkley and Jordan aren't on speaking terms because Barkley's had to criticize Jordan's management of the Bobcats. So what Horace Grant said I think is totally valid but also doesn't detract from my enjoyment of what was a mix between a documentary and an autobiography. We almost need... A new term for what this last dance was. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
2: people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do it yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at oreillyauto.com/2pros. That's oreillyauto.com/2pros.
5: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write
2: com slash sports tire the way tire buying should be
3: dan wetzel yahoo sports national columnist joins us now best national columnist in the country you can follow him on twitter at dan wetzel thank him for getting up early with us thanks for getting up with us Dan, first of all, what's the vibe in Michigan? Um, My family, uh, my wife's family is all from Michigan, and uh, we've been talking about going up sometime in the summer to go visit everybody. I know every part of the country is a little bit different. What's the vibe that you're getting in your part of the country right now?
0: Uh, Well, it rained a ton this week. (laughs) Uh, There was a big flood in Midland. I don't know if you heard about that, but uh, not really near me. Uh, but, yeah, everything's all right. Uh, seems like um, it was pretty hard hit in Detroit where I live, and uh, so the numbers are a
3: lot, improving a lot. Um, does it feel different, like, uh, just in your neighborhood? Does it seem like people are out and about more now than they were in, let's say, February and March?
0: Maybe a little. Um, you know, it, it just sort of varies on the weather. But yeah. Yeah
3: um yeah probably uh um, have you been out golfing you know, like our michigan our michigan golf course is open
0: yeah michigan's golf's open um so i've been playing golf um yeah you know i think school school's virtually over um or virtual school's virtually over i don't know i don't know if i have the full full read i, I would say probably people are out a little bit more than they were just the weather's better you know, you're heading in on uh, on 10 weeks here, or nine, you know, at least nine weeks. I don't know when the official, uh, officially we were told to, to shelter, but uh, so I think people are kind of just looking forward to the, the good weather and uh, trying to have a summer of a, of a new normal. You know, it's not going to be the same, but, um, you know, but the numbers are a lot better. So the sort of the sheltering worked, which was... Uh, which was big. I think there are parts of the country where coronavirus never really came in any kind of numbers. Yep. And, and maybe it's, I think it's just a different mentality, but it certainly did here. So, but, you know, the hospitals were, were pretty full and, uh, you know, it was definitely a, a threat to, to get completely out of control. So something needed to be done. And, um, you know, see the people I talk to, I mean, you know, there's 10 million people here. You can get a little bit of anything, um, I mean, we've had some, you know, guys trooping through the uh, state house with the, you know, with the assault rifles and stuff. So I'm sure they would disagree with whatever I'm coming up with. But most people I know, it's pretty much happy that things have uh, have, have toned down and uh, weather's getting a little better, and you can hang out in your backyard, you know, much
3: easier. We're talking to Dan Wetzel. Um, I don't know if you saw this report, but Ohio State potentially players going to return to campus. June 8th the SEC is voting a lot of different schools are as well one of the big questions has been will we have college football will we have the NFL what do you think about the return of college football
0: you know I think in the last couple weeks as the numbers have gotten better uh, in talking to a lot of people in college athletics there's definitely a you know much more confidence that there will be that a season will at the very least start. Um, I think it's just hard for for those decision makers to know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, we're, like I said, we're maybe we're about ten weeks into when we started actually taking this seriously and think about how much progress was made in that time. And so, you know, college football doesn't have to start for a few months. Uh, I think it's the single hardest sport to to attempt to bring back. we said that on the show. It's just, there's just 130 teams in 43 states and trying to figure out, will, will everybody play? Will every school play? Um, I didn't think everybody would start. Um, maybe now they all will. I don't know. It seems like it's a little bit more optimistic because the curve's been flattened and it's a little less perilous at this moment. I just think when you talk to people, it's like, are we going to finish? What's it going to look like? How many games can you play? Is there going to be a bowl season? You know, what happens in November? What happens with if there's an outbreak in this part of the country or this happens? There's so many variables that are just so hard to predict that uh, I think it's a high probability, 90% plus, that it, at least, that we would start the season. I just don't know exactly what that season will look like. I do not expect the 2020 season to look like the 2019 season. But certainly these schools need money. Um, and even if they're not going to be able to fill up their stadiums the same way, whatever they can get uh, is important because you're seeing the smaller conference schools uh, cutting sports right now. And if, if they can't have a season or if every stadium's dead empty, you'll see that in, in the larger schools too.
3: What are you hearing about the NBA, Major League Baseball? I know you've been writing and covering this quite a bit. NBA, Major League Baseball, MLS, to the extent people care about the MLS, NHL. What do you think the likelihood is of those sports coming back?
0: I think they're all going to try. I mean, I I don't think there's any question. I don't think there's any reason not to. Uh, You you know, you're certainly starting to see a lot more uh, of a uniformed opinion amongst the the various states. I mean, obviously, this week was big. You saw, uh, you know, New York, California, and Texas, uh, you know, uh, with Florida, the, those are the four biggest states. Those, the other three, Florida's kind of been open all along. The other three all uh, have stepped up and said we're going to welcome them or expect it soon. So I think now's the time. Um, baseball needs to make a deal really in the next week or so. If they're going to get going by early July, NBA and NHL, probably not too much farther behind that if they want to get by by uh, by July. But I, I certainly think both those other leagues are looking at maybe mid, mid-June mid making a decision. So the opportunity is there to implement whatever plan they've been working on, and I, I expect all of them will take that chance and see what happens. You know, again, it's just so many variables. Like, you can you can start this – and, you know, obviously I wrote a lot about the UFC and encouraging the UFC to give this a try, very different type sport. Um, you can run the card, and it's very exciting, but the real result is what happens in the following two weeks. Is there an outbreak? Did the, did the protocols work? You look at the UFC, again, much different operation, much smaller operation, and easier to do than a football team uh, or a hockey team, but so far we've not seen this big outbreak coming out of UFC 249 and uh, and obviously two more cards over the next week so you know very encouraging so far but when you talk to people in these leagues it's still a lot of cautious a lot of caution and a lot of like okay we we hope this plan will work we think this plan could work but it's it's just it's not as easy in black and white as i think you know, fans uh, and, and, you know, all of us kind of want to make it because it's like we, we just want it to go. We don't have to make the decisions. It's like, hey, let's play. Let's do this. But when you're getting into the, the, to the details, okay, how many guys, what if what if uh, one player on a baseball team tests positive? All right, we'll keep going. Well, what if it's five? Is that enough? What about ten? What if it's a What number, right? And you have to make all those calls. So it's very, very complicated.
3: What I would say in general is, yeah, you've written good columns about the UFC. I thought the precedent that Dana White set of one guy tests positive, we don't shut everything down, um, right. and you had the EPL and the Bundesliga to the extent people are paying attention to Germany and to England. What I would say is all of these leagues starting now establish protocols which can help other leagues that are coming later. So it's almost like you can look at the global response, even the Korean Baseball Association or whatever. I think the KBA, if that's what it's called, you can learn best practices by what these teams are doing and also start to adjust on the fly as you do so. For instance, I don't know if you saw this this story, but the EPL is saying, hey, we're we think we're going to need to pull these guys out of action for one week. Uh, And then we think they're going to be okay. And also, the data is now reflecting that if you get the coronavirus, you are immune. uh, Theoretically, we don't know for how long. Like most viruses, all of the data is showing that now. Uh, There had been some reports earlier that that wasn't the case, but that, that is the case. So, for instance, in the NBA, where we know at least 10 guys have already had the virus and gotten over it, some of these guys have already been exposed to it, right? And Especially in the NBA where those guys were playing in gyms where the virus was circulating, we're pretty confident in January, February, and March uh, based before they shut down. So it could be that a decent percentage of, say, NBA players already have this, which would theoretically stop the spread in locker rooms, right?
0: 100%. The, 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 the leagues that are out there are being watched Extremely closely, yeah. Whether the fans care about Korean baseball league uh, on the middle of the night on the ESPN or not is doesn't matter. They care about Major League Baseball. Yeah, they're looking and looking at all of this, the the soccer leagues in Europe, all of it. Um, I, I you know I wrote many times, Dana White, you know the key of saying if one test comes, we don't shut it down. You have to do that or else why? Sh- just don't even You start. can't
3: ever start because somebody's going to test so, positive.
0: Someone's going to test positive. Same way you can't start your restaurant if all of a sudden, well, the dishwasher got sick. we got to shut the whole restaurant down. Um, someone's, there, every single business is going to do that. I mean, they've started the auto plants and they've started the factories and they've started construction and they've started all sorts of things um, all over the country. Well, people are going to get sick, but... Again, it's like okay, it's working. UFC is easy to pull a fight out. You know, you can pull a guy out and pull one you know, twelve twelve card fight, uh, twelve fight card, and one one you know one there's one test, and now you have an eleven. Well, that's fine. Again, it's okay. Sounds good. What number? What happens if this happens? What if there's just a big outbreak on one team? Those are just it's uh, the devil's in the details for these for these leagues, and so they're just. You know, it's it, again. I think it's easy for me, easy for fans. It's like, let's go, let's play some baseball on July Fourth, right? Opening day, let's do it. This is going to be great. I want to see the NBA finals. Play it here, play it there. Whatever plan you come up with, let's go. They're all going to start. I, I absolutely believe they're all going to start. But you, if you're the one making that call and you're monitoring it, you go, okay. What we don't want is we get we get through the NBA playoffs and we get to the NBA finals and half the Lakers uh test positive coronavirus and the final stink right like what what do we do then we delay it do we you know you can see where there's just so many hurdles as you get into it but i think they're all going to start i just don't know whether they'll all finish quite the way they wanted to here's the question that i have dan which actually turns
3: into a really interesting one uh if they're testing let's say, on the day before games, which I think would probably be a realistic thing, right? And not just in the uh, NBA. Let's say they're doing it in the NFL, too. What happens if Patrick Mahomes is trying to defend his Super Bowl title and he's asymptomatic for the coronavirus, but on the Saturday before the Super Bowl he tests positive for the coronavirus? Are the Chiefs really going to pull him? and not allow him to play, are they going to test him on like 100 different – because I think the immediate response would be we're testing him on 100 different ones to see if we can find him show negative on any of them, right? Because I think that's the reality <laughs> of what they would do. Uh, you know. And, and then the protocols become interesting, right? Like, Does everybody have to use the same test? What happens if you're positive on one – But you're negative on two, right? Or negative on uh, one. But, you know, I mean, you can see how this process becomes interesting. And the same thing would be true, let's say it's the NBA and LeBron James. It's the night before game seven. And suddenly he's asymptomatic but positive for the coronavirus. Uh, What do the leagues do then? How do they monitor it? right? Do they have some like official who's there watching all the tests be done? Can you allow a team to even conduct this test or would too many teams before big games? I'm not talking about like if, uh, if a player tests positive in Major League Baseball in, you know, July 15th, I think they just pull him out. But what if it's before game seven of the World Series or the NBA title or uh, the Super Bowl? That's where I think it actually gets more challenging.
0: Absolutely, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like the the the, just the what could happen. I mean, and and you're going to have a centralized system. You can, you're not going to allow, nor are the players' union going to allow. Like, let's say it's the it's the NBA, the Lakers just to say, yeah, we're playing anyway. We're just. We're just gonna keep
3: well, up the, the player, the player would them. say the same thing. To be fair, I mean Patrick Mahomes, LeBron James, and Mike Trout. You know, let's say the three best players in every sport. Oh, yeah. If it's right before the biggest game of the season, they're going to be like, "Screw it! I'm asymptomatic. I'm going to go play." So you can't allow them to make the decision. You certainly can't allow the team. There needs to be some sort of independent medical authority that is making all these determinations and even the decision about when do you test and how do you test and what constitutes a positive all those are interesting questions that have to be resolved
0: yes and this is what can derail an entire season this is what they're worried about um it's not that they're scared of it it's how do we plan for it what do we do like i said what if it's not just lebron what if it's anthony davis and i mean the whole Lakers starting five right go well this finals is horrible
3: yeah well the and, positive would know, be if the EPL is right and they're now thinking guys will get better in a week then it's a lot easier to say hey we can wait a week than it is oh we're gonna wait two weeks right that's that right. that's the challenge if it's almost like in, in some ways it, w- did you have chicken pox when you were a kid yeah uh how did you get them do you remember? No. All right, so maybe I'm a rarity in this. People can tweet me and let me know. Uh, But when I was a kid, my mom intentionally got chicken pox for my sister and I. Uh, because there was the belief, and I think it's true. Now you can get a chickenpox vaccine, so it's different. So you know your kids now don't get it, but there was the belief that you wanted your kids. You, the expectation was that everybody's going to get chickenpox at some point, and uh, the the goal was you wanted if you wanted your kids to get it when they were young, because chickenpox is far more dangerous when you get it when you were older. So people would intentionally expose their kids. They had like chickenpox parties. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, and I don't know how common this was all over the country, I'm actually curious if you're listening to me right now. Uh, if you did this, uh, let me know because I, I hope it wasn't just my my mom's a microbiologist, so people, I don't think people
0: she people got it on purpose. No yeah, right. I don't yeah, think I she was. That,
3: yeah. I don't think she. I mean, she, I don't think she was making an intentionally bad decision for us. Again, she's a microbiologist. Uh, but this was common when you were a kid. Was you wanted your kid to get it at a young age, uh, and so like in the Nashville area where I lived, every kid I knew, we all got it right around the same time we were five or six years old. I remember I was in first grade. Everybody got it. You had it for a week. Um, and uh, and the goal was for everybody to get it. So you would go play with other kids who might not have it if their moms and dads were like, yeah, I want them to go ahead and get it. The reason why I bring this up is it's almost like if you look at the data for young and healthy people, that the best thing that could happen for, uh, for a team, honestly, is is for the whole team to get it while they're in training camp, right? Like, I mean, literally, absolutely. because then you could be like, hey, if the Lakers all got it in June, uh, you know, by and large, we know Kevin Durant, we know Donovan Mitchell, we know Rudy Gobert. It's a crazy thing to think about. But arguably, a team that had a complete exposure at training camp in June, everybody gets it all at the same time. Most of them would be asymptomatic. But then you now know they can't get the virus for the rest of the season. So while everybody else might have to worry, oh my god, you know, one of our best players might get sick, your whole team and I'm just using the Lakers as an example, it's almost like the teams that have had the most players who got it already, it may have already run through. We don't know. Remember, we only tested a small part of the NBA and we only tested them for current current uh uh infections, but we know Rudy Gobert got it from somewhere, right? We know Donovan Mitchell got it from somewhere. It's possible the whole jazz team has already had this thing
0: right and i'm I'm sure they'll test that so hundred percent and and you'd be better off just being like, good, we're good um as long as there isn't any you know the the one thing is like death is not the only thing that happens out of this. People have talked about reduced lung capacities and stuff, and i you know I don't know, but obviously. If you if you have even a 5%, if that affects you 5%, it's probably not a big deal for the average person, but it sure is if you're an NBA player. Yeah, there, yeah that's... Every that's, percent matters. Yeah. Right? So you don't know, but let me just go back to your point. Yes. Yeah, so, so what if you say, okay, if four players on a team, because you say, well, maybe we just delay the, the NBA Finals for a week. Well, is that fair to Milwaukee? Yeah. And what if in that week, we find out Giannis has it, and now his side can't go? Yeah. Or it's just like when you talk to the people in the league, that is like, oh my gosh, if this thing actually works, it's like we have to thread the needle for this to work. Because Which is why the argument was, we sorry, we lose go, the finals. Yeah, oh, then the finals stink, and Milwaukee wins four zip. Which is and, why the
3: argument of the bubble made sense for so many people to start right. with, right? Uh, and, right? And and, and arguably. Why, if you really are trying to do the NBA season to have it be the most uh, effective down the stretch, you would, and I don't know what you think, but I think you just bring back the playoff teams, you put them all in a hotel at the uh, a, a, in Vegas, you quarantine everybody, you limit the amount of time that it's going to take, right? You say, okay, uh, the entire NBA playoffs are going to be completed in two months. Right, two months is it? We're gonna get this all done in two months, and it's like Survivor NBA style. Every time a team gets eliminated, they leave the hotel. That to me is actually a pretty compelling TV product, right? If you had only the sixteen NBA playoff teams, you just say whatever the sixteen were, you bring them in. Uh, you know, if you wanted to make it bigger, you could have like a opening round single elimination for the worst teams, whatever. If you wanted to involve everybody. But to me, you bring the 16 playoff teams in, you put them all in one hotel in Vegas, you quarantine everybody for two weeks in advance, you have a couple of different gyms that are set up, and you then have the ability, every time a team gets eliminated, they're out. So the two teams that end up playing in the NBA Finals would be there for two months. Everybody else would be there for much shorter. That seems like a reasonable way to me to finish the season, in the NBA in particular.
0: It's it's like it's a way to do it, but there's also logistical problems to that. So uh, believe me, I've heard this. Like uh, you know, you talk to people in NBA, particularly early on when everyone was just like, "Okay, come up with an idea," and they are spitballing
3: everything. Yeah. Right? Like it's like a, college, so like a college, like a college drunken like uh, everybody just yeah. sits around and like throws out crazy right. ideas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like what if?
3: Yeah, yeah. What a lot if, of like, what ifs. What if
0: LeBron played football yeah. too? Would the Browns win the game? Right? Should you yes. go to the Browns be able to take LeBron and put him on the? Yeah. Now, okay, so this is basically it. So what if okay? Then it was the thought. Well, the best thing to do is actually get this thing over as fast as possible, right? Right. So what if we only take eight teams? Yeah. What's like the first, the, you know, sorry, seed five. Yeah, there's gonna be some griping, but we 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 just cut our numbers down. Um, I mean, I heard everything to like. Okay, you can't really do like how the heck are you do a hockey team in a bubble for two months. Well, what if you do it like Olympic hockey or NCAA tournament style, and the NBA could be. It's not the NBA playoffs, so what if we sit there and say, all right, everybody's in, 32 teams, or there's 30 in the NBA, but, yeah. you know, get some buys and just go four rounds. We're playing Monday, we're playing Wednesday, we're playing yeah. Friday, and the title game is Saturday, Sunday, and we are out. Can we do it for a week, right? Now, they're, gonna, they're not going to do that. They think they can get it much longer than that. But there was a point where it was like this thing was so unknown. The problem probably just were so asleep of the wheel at this for so long, no one knew anything. So that's like playing something, and you're like, "How infectious?" You know, there was times where people like, you, know, you see the studies. up, oh, someone, someone coughs, and it's you know, 600 feet away, someone could get it. Like that does not seem to be the case anymore, but nobody knew, right? So then it was like, "What if we did that?" Now, I'm not saying that would have been the NBA a good NBA playoffs, but man, would that have been a wild week of basketball? Would that not have been the greatest thing? Basically, four straight game sevens. Just that's it. That. Just, boom, single elimination, the way they yeah. do it in the Olympics. It would have been unbelievably awesome for a week. Yeah. But it's just, it's like, I've tried to resist, like, you know, all right, let's do this. We've got a chance. Hey, Governor Newsom says, let's go. Cuomo says, go. Hey, you know, we got all these states. We can do this now. But it's like, okay, we're, we want to try. But believe me, they're sitting there going, we can start. Can we finish? We hope to, believe me. They all want to finish, but... The nightmare scenario is half the Lakers test; they're asymptomatic and they test positive, and you're about to start the finals, and you go, "Oh my God, what do we?" You know, because you got injuries are part of the game. Yeah, but when one guy sprains an ankle, the other guy doesn't catch it. Yeah. So it's just it's just a nightmare of of logistics. It's going to be fascinating. None of this is going to work the right way. That's why I look at the college football season and go you know they can start but the idea that like all 130 teams are playing 12 games this fall just seems you know just improbable right you, you can want it but something's going to happen and maybe teams are playing eight games or some to so one team just drops out and the, the whole schedule falls you know it's just it's it's just such a, a jenga tower of trying to do these things. so And it's really hard in college football because there's nobody in charge. The NBA, the NHL, the NFL can, like, they can come up with all sorts of scenarios. You can't with college football. So it's just going to be wild. I mean, it's going to be an absolutely wild <laughs> uh, next five months in sport, you know, next year, who knows how long. But it's going to be wild because it's going to be not just on the field, but just who the heck knows what's going on.
3: We're talking to Dan Wetzel. Go uh, tell him if you went to Chicken Pox Parties at Dan Wetzel on Twitter.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup
1: in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. oh. oh, oh. If you dare.